What's up, kids? My name is Ray Rout, and I'm the host of the Dear Pats Nation podcast. And well, I'm here to break down the biggest questions around the NFL and, well, frankly, how they affect and relate back directly to the New England Patriots. Guys, this episode of the Dear Pats Nation podcast is brought to you by our sponsors over at Ultra Game. Get decked out in fully licensed NFL gear. They've got all your favorite teams over there. Go check out Ultra Game, one of the largest suppliers of licensed NFL apparel. Don't waste your time on money. Don't waste your time or money on knockoffs. Go get geared up with Ultra Game. We are members of the Dear Dean Blundell Podcast Network. Go to DeanBlundell.com. Check out the work I'm doing over there and see what else is happening over at the Dean Blundell Network. Over 100 podcasts and creators. And let me tell you the benefits of becoming a Patreon member for only $5 a month. You get invited to our Patreon hangout every Friday night. You also get direct access to me and your comments and questions will be answered either on the Dear Pats Nation podcast or the Dear Pats Nation live show. When you're watching or listening on Friday nights and there's like 10 guys on the screen on the live show, well, those are our Patreon members. Go check out patreon.com slash DPN sports and see what's happening over there. With that being said, let's get into it and let's start the show. You know, sometimes it's easy to talk about dynasties. When you got players running around talking about not one, not two, not three, not four, but five rings. Well, you can set your fan base up for the possibility of unrealistic expectations. And that is exactly what we are seeing with the Kansas City Chiefs fan base right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Chiefs kingdom is crumbling. Olympus has fallen because they are basically cannibalizing each other on Twitter right now. Now, a bogus article came out last night that Eric Benemy and Patrick Mahomes had some friction and tension throughout the season. The article has since been deleted, but that has caused a civil war amongst the kingdom. The One Ring Dynasty isn't doing very well. And I don't know how many times I got to tell teams, fan bases, just enjoy your championship ring. Clearly, Kansas City Chiefs fans who were pretty long-suffering, a fan base who didn't sniff championships for, what, 60 years? They're having a problem dealing, well, with not being very good. Chiefs Kingdom, let me give you some advice. Don't talk about dynasties. You've got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You may win some more Super Bowls. But I've heard Rams fans talk about dynasties. The Eagles fans at one point talked about dynasties. Now the Chiefs fans are all over this dynasty business. The problem is when things don't go your way, like they have in the last two years, Super Bowl championship loss, AFC championship game, collapse, and now the fan base is collapsing amongst themselves. I'm not here to rub salt in the wounds. I'm just here 
to watch it happen. Now, I'm not a big fan of Greg Bedard. I'm not a big fan of the Main Street Boston media. I think that people can be a little bit too harsh, critical, adjective here on the New England Patriots. However, Greg Bedard has come out and he has started pumping the fear into Patriots fans saying he has never been more worried about the Patriots' future in his life. Greg Bedard is worried because basically the, the brain power and brain trust of New England has left. Started with Dante Scarnaccia. We saw Ernie Adams fall. Of course, Brian Flores. And now Josh McDaniels. That tells me something. It tells me that I don't think Bill Belichick planned on being here right now. I think that the tension between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, I think the the Brady versus Belichick, who was responsible for the 20-year dynasty, I think that that has gotten to be Billy B. I think he's extended his tenure as the New England Patriots head coach because of it. And when that happens, what we see is Belichick not preparing for the future because he had it, right? Charlie Weiss, offensive coordinator, wins some Super Bowls, goes to Notre Dame, boom, Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels has some success, goes to Denver, boom, Bill O'Brien. Josh McDaniels comes back. Yeah, Bill Belichick hasn't built the trust. It's almost like Scarnetia and Ernie Adams were like, all right, Bill, we've had enough. It's almost like they had retirement plans together and Bill Belichick never got the memo. There is a lot of brain power. I have said it. Too many Patriot fans were like, we need to get rid of Josh McDaniels. And I've said, you're going to regret the day that Josh McDaniels leaves the New England Patriots. And that's where we are now. Now, I'm not as worried as Greg Bedard and I'm not here to fear monger. But should we be looking at the situation and saying, hey, this could be a problem for New England in the future? You're 100% right, it could be. It absolutely should be looked at as a problem. Bill Belichick, though, he's going to do what Bill Belichick does. He's going to go and he's going to try to put the best team that he can in front of him. The coaching may be thin. The brain power may be weaker. But as long as Bill Belichick is at the helm, New England Patriot fans should feel confidence. When you look at the New England Patriots, you're going to hear people talk about, we need a wide receiver one. Yeah, the Patriots need a wide receiver, but they have bigger glaring holes on that defense. The New England Patriots need to address their secondary. The New England Patriots need to do something with J.C. Jackson, whether that's re-sign him, franchise tag him, whether they follow Mike's two-year plan or Belichick's plan. It doesn't matter. You need to bring in J.C. Jackson, but that's not enough. You can't go with Jalen Mills and Jawan Williams. Getting Jonathan Jones back is going to be huge, by the way. He was injured last season, and I don't think that Patriot fans in the media really took into consideration how big of an impact that was on that secondary. I believe the Patriots should be taking a cornerback in the first round of the draft this year because then it gives you options. If you have a true number one and a true number two, 
You can have Jalen Mills as your slot. You can make Jonathan Jones a safety. You can make Jalen Mills the safety. You can make Juwan, put Jawan Williams, who shouldn't be anywhere near one-on-one coverage, as maybe the Deron Harmon role as that safety number two. There's a possibility because of salary cap implications that they could bring back Devin McCourty so they don't have $6 million on the books. Getting that true number two cornerback, though, to play on the other side of J.C. Jackson has to be Bill Belichick's priority this year. Now, you may not think it's true, but it 100% is. The Patriots got to get fast. They got to get speed. And I'm not talking about the offense, people. I'm talking about the defense. I'm not even talking about the secondary. I'm talking about that linebacking core. Now, Dante Hightower has been one of the most productive linebackers for the Patriots for years. Mr. February, Mr. Super Bowl. I appreciate everything that number 54 has done for the New England Patriots, but it is time to move on. It's time to move on from the slow thumpers, and it's time to get smaller, and it's time to get quicker. Now, they have Cameron McGrone, redshirted with injury last year for his rookie season. If he can pan out to be what I think a lot of people hope he can be, he could be one of the answers to the Patriots' slow linebacking core. I believe that the Patriots could look at somebody like Adrian Phillips, who's been a hybrid safety linebacker. I believe that you could take Adrian Phillips and play him out of the box more often. But when you got to face quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Zach Wilson, Lamar Jackson, You can't win games with slow linebackers that can't get there, that can't get into coverage, that can't get on top of the quarterback who can run. The Patriots need to get fast in the middle. As much as the secondary is one of their number one priorities, addressing that linebacking core has to be number two. Because I've already said it, and I said it yesterday. I said it on the, on the podcast, and I said it on Newsbreak. The Patriots' Super Bowl aspirations are not going to run through Mac Jones and the offense. They're going to run through Bill Belichick's defense. And that linebacking core needs to be a big part of it. Now, we've heard about reunions in the past, and we've seen reunions with the New England Patriots. Jamie Collins has done a couple of stints with New England. We've heard guys talking about Danny Shelton possibly returning to the Patriots. But there is an outstanding outside linebacker slash edge defender whose name is being floated around as a possible link for the Patriots. And that is the Patriots' original first-round pick, Chandler Jones. One of the most common questions I get is, Ray, what happened to Matthew Judon after the bye week after having a career dominating season, he suddenly kind of disappeared. He wasn't getting to the quarterback. He wasn't stopping the running backs. He wasn't his dominant self. It didn't appear that he was injured. What happened? Well, let me tell you what happened, smart guy. Team started to realize stop Matt Judon. You stop Matt Judon. You stop the Patriots front seven. 
yeah, Christian Barmore can be a little bit of a problem. Double team him. You got it. They didn't have anybody on the right side. Dietrich Weiss, not fast enough. Had a couple plays. Not great. Chase Winovich, Josh Uche, they can't set the edge. The Patriots were never in a third and manageable situation. So it was an obvious pass. Couldn't put him out there. We've had many discussions. What do the Patriots do to help Matt Judon? You got to make the right side of the line even stronger. If Chandler Jones is in the middle, or is on the right, I apologize, and you got Matt Judon all the way on the left, and you got Christian Barmore on the middle, with a linebacking core that has speed and athleticism, you can get to the quarterback, you can stop the running backs, you can go into coverage, you can stop the, you can spy the running back. The options become limitless. And you can't zero in just on one guy. Chandler Jones, in my opinion, would be the move that would even make me, me, sit back and say, hmm, hmm. Maybe the Patriots got a chance to do some damage in the NFL this year. Am I going to talk about Super Bowls? Maybe not. Or maybe I will. Jalen Jones is one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. Matt Judon is one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. And what the two of those guys could do together would be unbelievable. Now with all the talk about the Patriots defense, fix the secondary, fix the linebacking core, get another edge rusher. You've heard me talk about it over and over and over again. I do believe that the Patriots need to address the wide receiving position. I do not believe that the core of Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, and Jacoby Myers is good enough. We've talked about the possibilities of Allen Robinson, but he'll be pretty expensive. We've talked about the possibility of Chris Godwin, but I think he could be like a Muhammad Sanu, who's a product of the guys around him, the same way Sanu was a product of A.J. Green and Julio Jones. I think that Godwin could be the product of Mike Evans. No. You know who could be affordable? You know who's going to be reportedly 100% ready in August? Michael Gallup. And when you want to talk about a guy who can stretch the field, and outside of this season who's been very reliable, Michael Gallup. Now, I understand that the Patriots don't have a lot of success bringing guys in late. I understand that they run a complicated offense. But I also understand that Tom Brady's no longer the quarterback. I also understand that they have simplified things. I also understand that Josh McDaniels isn't there anymore. So how complicated is their offense really going to be? If you have Michael Gallup on one side, Nelson Aguilar on the other, with Kendrick Bourne in the middle, the Patriots could actually afford not to re-sign Jacoby Myers, even though I think they will, and even though I think they're going to get him a lot cheaper than Patriot fans think he, they will. Am I worried about the injury? No. Am I worried about him losing a step? No. Do I think that Michael Gallup could come in and easily be the Patriots' number one receiver? Yes. Would I be more excited about any other receiver in the NFL, including guys like Allen Robinson? No, I'd be more excited about Michael Gallup. I think Michael Gallup is a fit for the Patriots. He's a name that we've talked about on many different occasions. And I would love, love to see New England get Michael Gallup and the damage that they could do offensively 
It'd be phenomenal. Now, as I have been beating the drum, saying the New England Patriots need to get younger. That's no mistake. Hightower, Van Noy, Jamie Collins, McCordy, legends of the game. They're also old. They need to get younger. However, there's a spiritual leader inside the Patriots locker room. There's an old man who just played in the Pro Bowl. Now, he is not committed to playing football next season. However, if Matthew Slater decided that he wanted to return to the football field, the New England Patriots 100% have to give him the opportunity to return. And you cannot convince me otherwise. You've lost leadership amongst the coaches. You're going to lose leadership amongst the players. Having Matthew Slater in that locker room could be a lot more important than you think it is. If Matthew Slater wants to return to football, Bill Belichick should not even consider not signing him for a second. I do not want to see Matthew Slater bring his leadership, bring his calmness, bring his influence on the younger players to another team. And I believe if the Patriots do want to make a push next year, I don't think they will, but if they do want to make a push next year, I think they need a Matthew Slater on the team. Because that team's going to be a lot younger than you think. And they're going to need that leadership that Slater brings each and every day. Now get ready. Because Deshaun Watson is back in the news. Deshaun Watson, who sat out all of last season with his legal troubles and his problems with the Houston Texans, well, he's now looking at his options. He's now trying to pick the team that he wants Houston to trade him to. I will put out on the table that apparently the Vikings and the Buccaneers are the top of his list, and why wouldn't they? Both teams have superstar caliber wide receiving core. The Texans may be in a position where, yeah, trade for Kirk Cousins, see what he can do for your team. There's maybe four to five teams in the NFL that shouldn't consider trading for Deshaun Watson, and the Patriots are amongst those teams. If Houston called New England and said, hey, Deshaun Watson for Mac Jones straight up, I'm not going to say that I'd be upset if Belichick said no because I understand the future of the Patriots. But would we really be upset if he said, let's do it? Because if you want to talk about a team that has the potential to be better than last year and maybe make the playoffs 
you add in Deshaun Watson over Mac Jones, you now have a team that's ready to make a run to the Super Bowl. You now have a team that's ready to rival the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Just don't fool yourself, Patriot fans. That Buffalo Bills team is not going away. That Buffalo Bills team is going to be a problem for a long time. Both offensively and defensively. I would love to see the Patriots pick up a Deshaun Watson. I'm not saying it's going to happen. And if they didn't, even if we found out it was offered and they said, no, we're going with Mac Jones, I wouldn't be mad. Nobody should. Mac Jones is the future. Mac Jones also has the controllable contract. However, can you really look me in the eye? Can you really tell me that you wouldn't be excited about having Deshaun Watson as a New England Patriots quarterback? Don't lie. Well, it's quite amazing how quickly fun, good things can be taken away from you. Matthew Stafford's been living the high life. He spent his entire career playing in Detroit, didn't even sniff the playoffs most of the time. When he did get there, didn't win. Joins a star-studded lineup in Los Angeles. Makes it all the way to the Super Bowl and wins his first Lombardi trophy. Matthew Stafford and his wife, Kelly show up, get on the float. Matthew has a couple too many pops and looks a little bit like a drunken frat boy. And then the video heard around the world happens. A young lady, a reporter or a photographer falls off the 10 foot stage. Matthew Stafford says, whoa, turns around and takes a swig of water. Doesn't even look down to see if she's okay. Now, Kelly Stafford did. And Matthew Stafford has been absolutely and probably deservingly roasted all day on Twitter. Now, I think there's been a little bit too much chivalry conversation. At the end of the day, I don't know what we expected Matthew Stafford to do. Did we expect him to swan dive off the 10-foot cage and carry her on her back all the way to the hospital? I get that. However, not a good look, Matthew. So the Staffords did come out and make the announcement that they will be paying for the young lady's medical bills because she's fractured her spine on that fall. It's amazing to me, though, how we went from Hall of Fame possibilities and Hall of Fame conversations to watching Matthew Stafford really become a meme that's going to be around for a long time. Trust me, it's not going to go away. And he's going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. I would stay off of Twitter, Matthew. All right, right now I need to set the world straight. We need to stop making ridiculous comparisons. We need to stop being prisoners of the moment. I cannot hear one more person say that Joe Burrow 
is going to be the best quarterback in the AFC next season. Now, the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, he's very good. Joe Burrow surprised a lot of people. Joe Burrow did a lot of things that I don't think a lot of people believed he could do. However, I have a theory. And I'm going to warn you right now, my theory may upset a couple of people. But Joe Burrow's college career has mimicked Joe Burrow's professional career. Hear me out. So Joe Burrow starts with Ohio State. He can't win the starting job. He transfers to LSU. Gets the starting job with LSU. Has a mediocre season. Nobody was looking at him as the breakout star of the next season. There was no college scouts or college analysts looking at Joe Burrow the same way that they were looking at Trevor Lawrence two years before his draft. He was average. He was a guy. LSU goes out and recruits, puts together a talented offense. Let's face it, put together the most talented offense in the NCAA. All of a sudden, Joe Burrow's a Heisman Trophy winner. All of a sudden, Joe Burrow's the first overall pick. Then he starts his season with the Cincinnati Bengals. He's good. Not great. Not special. He's good. He's a rookie. And he's good. Unfortunately, he hurts his D, can't finish his rookie season. The Bengals draft Jamar Chase. The same Jamar Chase who made Joe Burrow look like a superstar in college. A year after the Bengals draft T. Higgins. And all of a sudden, Joe Burrow goes from a good quarterback to people saying he's going to be the best quarterback in the AFC when everybody knows it's a battle between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Do I dare say that Joe Burrow is a good to very good quarterback who plays on a great team, not a great quarterback who plays on a very good team. That's the question, guys. That's also the podcast. I appreciate y'all coming in here and showing me some love. Always, always appreciate you. Thank you, everybody who tuned in live on the Halftime app. You're all amazing. 
This episode of the Dear Passage Podcast is brought to you by our sponsors over at Ultra Game. Get decked out in fully licensed NFL gear. We've got all your favorite teams over there. Go check out Ultra Game, one of the largest suppliers of licensed NFL apparel. Don't waste your money on knockoffs. Go get geared up with Ultra Game. We are members of the Dean Blundell Podcast Network. Go to DeanBlundell.com. Check out the work I'm doing over there and see what else is happening over at the Dean Blundell Network. Over 100 podcasts and content creators. Go check it out. And uh, let me tell you the benefits of joining the Patreon Club for only $5 a month. Okay, you get invited to our Patreon Hangout every Friday night. You also get direct access to me. Uh, and your comments and questions will be answered either during the Dear Pats Nation podcast or on the Dear Pats Nation live show. Hey, when you're watching the live show on Friday nights, there's like 10 guys up on the screen with me. Those are all Patreon members. Go check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash DPN sports. See what's happening over there. Well, appreciate y'all. Hope you come back tomorrow. Until next time, you're all legit, kid. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.